the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Rescuers, the show about people who change and save lives. Now, here's your host, Art Brooks. Well, hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to another episode of the Rescuers radio program, which airs every Thursday at 530 on Faith Talk 1360 and or faithtalk1360.com. And um, Happy New Year to everybody. (laughs) I'm very uh, blessed to have uh, my guest today is uh, Alicia, Dr. S- uh, Alicia Smith. Did I pronounce your name correctly? Good. Good. I thought I did. And um, she is the, uh, the director of Phoenix VA Healthcare System, uh, Medical Center, uh, everything there is. And we're going to be talking about that. First of all, Alicia, I always like for our, uh, this is a worldwide audience, by the way. I say that because we had a call from Australia once. <laughs> it's not not a call-in show, but somebody con- uh, contacted the the show and was interested in one of our subjects. So, um, why don't you start off by telling us uh, your backstory? How, how did you get here as director of Phoenix, Arizona VA? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, I'll start with a little bit about me. So I am the daughter of an Army veteran. My dad served in Vietnam, um, grew up in North Carolina, and uh, as a young person, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, but knew I wanted to serve people Uh in some way. And uh, I actually had the opportunity, uh, unfortunately, I lost my dad when I was very young. And so I had the opportunity to go to college um, on a VA survivor scholarship. And so I went to school and uh, uh, started my professional career as a nurse. And I worked for 20 years in the private sector uh, as a nurse and uh, was hap- happened to just be sitting in a meeting with a colleague of mine who was a veteran, an Army veteran as well. And um, she said to me, you know, Alicia, I think this might be your next job. And she handed me an announcement um, for a position at the Washington, D.C. VA Medical Center. And um, the rest, I would say, is kind of history. So I, I applied for the job, and, and I did a lot of kind of homework to understand a little bit more about the VA. So even though my dad served in Vietnam, and I lost him, you know, very young, so I didn't have a lot of independent memories of my dad talking about his service. But I also, my mom had three brothers that all served, and so had some perspective about uh, veterans um, from a real life experience, but certainly not anything in a in a well educated way, and so I I learned a lot about uh, VA its mission, and it really struck me. And uh, so I was actually uh, received my first appointment at the DC VA, and I have to tell you when I 
uh, took the oath. I was just um, really uh, moved by uh, the swearing, being sworn in as a VA employee. And uh, the first thing I did was I called my uncle, who was a Vietnam veteran, as soon as I got home to say, guess what I did today? <laughs> and um, I served there for five years as a deputy nurse executive and came here to Phoenix in 2015, in the fall of 2015, as the associate director for patient care services and nurse executive. So it was the job that brought you to Arizona? It was the yeah. job that brought yeah. me to Arizona. Good. And you've been there since 15? Been 20... here, right. Been here since 2015, yeah. and I was appointed as a permanent director in June of this year. Nice. So... How does it feel to be in the captain's chair? Because <laughs> so, well, it's a massive, massive undertaking, of course. And, and I'd like for us to, as we go through this conversation, to uh, first of all, um, how many, what, what are you actually overseeing from your office? It's, it's the hospital, uh, care centers. What, what, how how uh, deep does this go? Yeah, so I oversee... Uh, the entire v- Phoenix VA healthcare system. So that includes the medical center uh, that is here on uh, Indian School. Yes. And it also includes community-based outpatient clinics that are here in Metro Phoenix, but also in Globe and Sholo. And we have a contract facility in Payson, also in um, the Northwest in the Surprise area and in the Gilbert area. We serve over 100,000 veterans. And oh last gosh. year we did uh, over 1.1 million outpatient visits. Wow. So we're, we're a busy organization. We have over 3,700 really dedicated, committed employees, and over 35% of those employees are veterans. Yeah. Well, uh, and that's, that makes sense. I mean, so they, they have that understanding of, of who, they're, who they're working with and who they're treating. Um, I'll, co- I'll confess, I'm a vet, <laughs> Vietnam-era and um, and uh, you're a vet, James, I think. James, uh, one of her assistants is here with us in the studio. So um, um, so you came to, to Phoenix and then you moved up. Uh, you were the interim for a year or two? I was. So I came as the nurse executive and the associate director. And then in the fall of 2019, I was named the interim director and then permanently appointed in June. And I think that's one of the really great things about VHA is the tremendous opportunities that you can have within the organization and the way VHA invests in their own employees through training and development and leadership opportunities. Yeah. It's possible that we have someone in our audience that's a veteran and doesn't know a lot about how to get into the medical system, how, how, how all that takes place. I've been in the building, and I've walked back to where you get signed in and all that stuff. Uh, I can't remember. what Registration, I guess it's called. But um, um, there may be people that, that aren't aware. So our job today is to make them aware of, of what you do and what the, what's within the facility. So um, I, I, some, of the, some of the points that I figured out – by the way, before we go too far – I know we're going to be talking a lot about COVID era and and how that's changed and and how you've adapted. And um, I I saw the video uh, of the uh, World War II veteran. I think he's 102, 100 and something, and he got his vaccination. And there was a there was some. uh, I think he got some news coverage here in town. I think so. That's where I first 
got a heads up on it. But then I was going through some of the items that I had received for you, and I saw the photo of you with him when he got the vaccine. Pretty exciting. It was exciting. So that was, uh, he was a 94-year-old, I believe. 94, uh, okay. World War II. World I added War some II. years to his life. <laughs> Navy veteran. <laughs> World War II Navy veteran. Okay. Um, and yeah. I, I remember he said something about if I, um, I need, I need, they need to keep me alive as long as they can or something like that. He had a cute statement that, that went along with that. So we're all looking forward to that vaccine. But um, so uh, let, let, let's dig in a little bit. Uh, uh, VA hospital, uh, all kinds of different departments and all kinds of different services. Why don't you give us a highlight of, of some of the, the most uh, highly used or most important services? I don't want to say any, any one service is better or is more important. But um, for us to talk about every one of them, we would be here for a couple hours probably. So why don't you give us a highlight of, of uh, the most used services maybe? Sure. I um, will share with you and share with everyone. We have um, a hospital. And so, of course, we have inpatient care. And so we do surgeries and procedures. We have our emergency department that is available 24-7. In addition, I think some of our really important programs. Uh, We have a women veterans program, and so we have a separate clinic for our women veterans who choose to receive care in in a separate clinic, and I think that's really important. We have um, uh, many other services, such as rehabilitation services. We have in our mental health arm just a myriad of services to include substance use disorder clinics, um, we have evidence-based therapies for our mental health providers. There's a strong uh, a commitment to serving our homeless veterans through our social work team, and we also have a community resource and referral center for veterans that may be experiencing homelessness. Um, in addition to that, we have acute or inpatient mental health care, and we have substance abuse uh, residential treatment on campus as well. Uh, and again, again, I mentioned some of our therapies, our, our physical therapy, rehabilitation therapies. So we offer a myriad. I would say we offer a full uh, scale of both inpatient and outpatient and ambulatory care services and a um, lot of support services to wrap around our veterans. Nice. So um, you, you became director, even though you had been there uh, since 2015, you became director in June of last year guess what, right in the middle of COVID. So uh, welcome to that world, right? And and uh, so what was that like? Uh, you, you knew the job you were taking, and then all of a sudden, boom, um, the whole world turned upside down this past year. And and uh, but how, how, what effect did that have you in personally and, and as you adapted to the position? Well, what I would say is you're absolutely right. First, starting in October when I was interim or named interim, I don't know that anyone expected that we would be experiencing a pandemic just a few months later. Um, the, the way that I navigated this was really through the support of the team. And so I happen to be the medical center director and the spokesperson for the Phoenix VA But it's really a team of people that's doing the work. And so what has comforted me, quite honestly, is that I don't have to do it alone. And so early on, we uh, uh, stood up our uh, work team initially and then our incident command to really take a close look at planning. 
what we needed to do to try and project and forecast and what decisions we needed to make. And there were a a number of subject matter experts and leaders that helped to inform myself as the director and other leaders of the current state and then certainly um, what their recommendations were in their areas of subject matter expertise to really help us not only to prepare but to respond. And then for me personally, um, I think that piece that – I was most have been most moved by is the way uh, our team has responded. You know, we've asked people, our, our employees, to really do a lot. We've asked them to make sure that they take care of themselves and their families so that they can come in and take care of veterans. But to balance that is not an easy task. And so when I look at the pictures of people that came in on weekends that moved beds around, that moved furniture around, our engineering team that worked with our air supplies. And, and, and you know, our engineers probably don't get enough credit for keeping <laughs> us warm and cool and the air in the right direction. Yeah. Um, but when I reflect on our, our communications team and many others took a lot of photos, and uh, for me, I think what was most powerful was to really reflect on that preparation and, and really to think about the sacrifice that so many people have made and continue to make mm-hmm. um, coming to work every single day uh, that has had an incredible impact on me because it's really humbling to yeah. think about the team of people that I have the opportunity to work with. Oh, I can imagine. So you probably had a lot of infrastructure that had to change, right? Do you have uh, COVID floors? Do you have COVID units? You have all of that probably. You know, our team had to make a lot of just-in-time decisions. And so Um, We consolidated and moved and grouped patients together to create wards and spaces um, to care for, best care for patients that were either uh, COVID positive or really ill. We have expanded into other areas. So we've taken areas like our post-anesthesia care unit and a portion of that we used for additional critical care. Um, So the team was very creative because the reality is we weren't going to necessarily get any more space yeah. within the uh, medical center. And so we had to really think about how can we group patients and move patients to create space to care for veterans and how can we expand and scale up. One of the things we did early on was we uh, put a what we call a basex tent in front of the medical center. We used that to triage patients and um, um help decompress the emergency department a little bit. And so it allowed us to expand that footprint and um, it's there and ready. And, and we're going to be probably using that more in that same vein here in, in the days and weeks to come. How about staffing? Did you have the the number of doctors, number of nurses, ICU nurses, that uh, staff that had that discipline? Did, did you have that already in-house? Did you have to go uh, elsewhere to, to bring them in? We've done a combination of things. So we have um, staff that have some skills that maybe they were working in a different area. And so our clinicians, so our our associate director for patient care services and our chief of staff, our lead nurse executive and our lead uh, physician executive, looked at the credentials and backgrounds of the physicians and nurses and team members that we had and redeployed people to be able to to care for um, veterans on the acute care side, for lack of a better word. And um, some of that included refresher training, um, simulation training, and those types of things. In addition to that, we um, did 
early on, we were able to actually support uh, the state of Arizona and the state of California. And then as we began to surge through our DEMPS, so our Disaster Emergency uh, Management uh, Program within VHA, we were able to get some resources in. And then we've also used contract staff. So we okay. have a co- combination. So we have our own employees that we've redeployed. And, and again, I'm incredibly grateful for their flexibility and yeah. just their agility. We also used our VHA, Disaster Emergency Management, to provide some resources, and we are using some contracting staff as well. Uh, So that's the way we've been able to uh, handle the surge. Did you ever have to go out and partner with other medical facilities in the Valley or anything like that, or you, you handled it all inside? We've been able to handle it within either yeah. our facility or VHA, um, with the exception of contracting. Uh, when you say yeah. going outside, one of the things that we have done through well, I guess I was thinking about other hospitals or... Oh, bringing ad- additional staff yeah. in? Uh, no, we haven't okay. had to do that. Although, you know, I would say that the the community, the local community of healthcare leaders and executives are, are very, very responsive. And I think there is a, a sense of us all wanting to work together. We're all in this together. And um, certainly through the the communications that we have, that is certainly my sense. So um, with the number of services that you supply to a million annually, wow. Did you say annually? A million outpatient visits. Outpatient 100,000 veterans and a million outpatient visits we did last year, over a million. Wow. I, I mean, that's a lot of traffic. And to handle that in some semblance of organization has got to be difficult. But you've got it down. <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> um, that's definitely a lot of flow, a lot of movement through our healthcare centers and uh, through our healthcare center and through our outpatient clinics. Definitely, and I think that there's when you're moving and having those many encounters, there's always going to be an opportunity to improve. And so we try to have our ears to the ground and, and listen to the voice of the veterans. And and when veterans are telling us we don't have it exactly right, then we want to listen and respond. Well, and and uh, on your website, I went through and I looked at your staff. You have a great staff to work to oversee certain areas as well. And just an incredible group of executive leaders and service chiefs and then our staff that are doing the work every day. Just remarkable. I could not be prouder. So I have a question about a more complicated issue, and it's an issue you deal with every day probably uh, and have enough people to oversee this with your um, social work, your uh, your, um, therapy sessions, and and whatever you have for the mental part of, of taking care. PTSD has got to be a big issue. Uh, sidebar of that is is uh, suicides. Uh, you're dealing with a lot of heavy-duty issues uh, within, aren't you? We are. You know, suicide uh, and suicide prevention is the number one clinical priority for VHA. And um, we have a team of mental health clinicians that are paying very, very close attention and doing a lot of outreach to try and make sure that we're making resources available, particularly during COVID. There's a lot of isolation, and so it makes things more challenging. Um, One of the things that we do is we talk every day about our connections. And uh, in, in Morning Report, we talk about our connections, our contacts, and is there anything that we can or should be doing differently to continue that outreach. Our social work team and our mental health team 
do just a tremendous job with our suicide prevention coordinators. Um, and it's also our social work team that helps to navigate our homeless patients and works on housing. Uh, one of the things that we, we did with our homeless team during the pandemic is that we, we navigated the testing for our veterans that are at some of our contract housing, uh, transitional housing areas to provide that testing. And they are certainly one of the priority groups for the COVID vaccine. Um, you also have a, a chaplain service, which I think is probably pr- uh, very needed help, right, within within the facility. We do. We have a chaplain service. And, in, you know, one of the things I really appreciate about that that service is that while they serve our veterans, they also serve our employees. Uh-huh. And um, so they're available. They provide support to our employees. They provide sessions. But they also provide groups and outreach to our veterans. They round and talk to our inpatient and hospitalized veterans on a very regular basis and reach out to everyone who's been admitted within a very short time, within the first day or two, to see if there's any spiritual support or any just any support that they can provide. Yeah. Do you have, uh, you have services also for the Native American population? Is that correct? Do you have do you have separate? Are they they're in, they're in part of the population? Okay, good. Uh, I'm thinking of. Do you reach out to uh, like uh, Navajo Reservation, or do you re, do you take care of that, or is that somebody else? So, with our Native American community, we do have a an outreach person. Um, Michael Leon does a lot of that outreach with us. In addition to that, particularly more recently, um, we've been in communication with our colleagues at the Phoenix Indian Medical Center, and um, they are part of a quarterly um, executive stakeholder meeting that we have. That includes uh, Phoenix Indian Medical Center. It also includes Colonel Wanda Wright and the Arizona. State Department of Veteran Services, nice, yeah. um, at, along with our colleagues over at VBA and others. And so we come together to really talk about how we can partner. And um, more recently, some of our outreach with our Native American um, partners and community, our team has done uh, supplies, uh, you know, given outreach in that way as well. One of the areas that we supported, we sent um, some of our staff to support uh, Northern Arizona, uh, the Native American community in Northern Arizona, when we were not surging uh, a few months ago. Yeah, c- COVID hit them extremely hard, uh, extremely, extremely difficult. Um, so um, you have generational veterans. You have you have veterans from every conflict, every uh, every branch. It's all there. It's all there. And um, you don't show favorites. <laughs> I'm an Air Force guy. He's an Army guy. So we all get treated the same. That's right. <laughs> Everybody gets treated the same. Just a, and um, multiple generations, absolutely. And I think what's really important, because sometimes veterans um, may be under the misconception that if they didn't serve in combat, that they... Um, maybe there's a difference there. And so I would just encourage any veteran that has served to, to reach out um, through through eligibility um, and and connect with their services that, that are available through the Phoenix VA Healthcare I'm System. I'm glad you said that because um, I served during the Vietnam era non-combat. Uh, however, I did do a tour of duty. with I was in SAC with B-52s, and, and I was in on Guam in 1968, 
building bombs for B-52s. So I'm not a, I don't, I didn't get the ribbons. I didn't get the, so I know there's million of guys like me that didn't, uh, were non-combat, but we were supportive of the combat. And, um, I'm, I'm really glad to hear you say that, that, cause that's important. It is very yeah. important. And I would just say, you know, if you're a veteran, I would absolutely say reach out and um, understand what you're eligible to receive and know that for us at the Phoenix VA healthcare system, we're here to provide services. So we're here to serve. Yeah. So uh, we're getting this time flies when we're having fun, right? And one of my favorite sayings in life is nothing is so complicated or complex than what a little humor is not appropriate. (laughs) So, uh, but I do have a final question for you and and take a a minute or or even up to two minutes to to talk about this. Uh, COVID is presenting a lot of stories. There's going to be a lot of things written and talked about during this era of COVID-20, COVID-21, because we're starting off and it's, it's there. So uh, what do you think, uh, at the end of COVID, what do you think your story would be? Gosh, I think the story for the Phoenix VA will be that in the midst of a pandemic, our team served. Mm -hmm. And when I say served, they served in a number of ways. So they served veterans, obviously, um, during a surge when when, um, people were perhaps facing uh, COVID experiences in their own personal lives. In addition, we served Arizonans. And so right now um, we have what what VA calls humanitarians through uh, VA's fourth mission. And we have non-veterans in our inpatient setting as well uh, because we're a part of the community. And so we're going to always prioritize the care of our veterans. But in a time of crisis such as now, in a lot of ways, um, we want to be part of supporting the community as well. So I think that our story is going to be that in the middle of a surge, the Phoenix VA healthcare system stepped up to serve veterans, to serve Arizonans, learned a lot of things, and we're going to continue to improve. Dr. Alicia Smith, thank you. It's been a pleasure having you on Rescuers. And I'm going to leave it with this. You are the heart of taking care of veterans in Arizona. Thank you very much for what you do. You are a rescuer. Rescuer Show can be heard at, at Faith Talk 1360, faithtalk1360.com. We're on Spotify, Instagram, Facebook page. You'll find us somewhere in the stream. God bless. Rescuers, Thursdays at 5.30 Arizona time on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ AM.